Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. I, I thank Vern in the first service for praying for me because until the first service, it had been over a year since I preached. And uh, after the first service, they may need to pray even harder for me for second service here. But my prayer is that God would hide his servant behind the cross, we'd hear the word of God, and God would give us a heart and a mind to receive it and uh, to be able to comprehend it and to act upon it. Because uh, I think what uh, delights God the most is obedience. It's no different than being parents here on earth. Uh, When the kids obey, (laughs) things are good. (laughs) And and so... uh, Uh, That's really the prayer of my heart. We're going to tackle the next two weeks, uh, Jacob, the hero of faith, Jacob. Now, Jacob had a brother named Esau. Uh, They were twins, identical twins. Uh, Turned out that uh, Jacob was starting to be born, and uh, he decided not to be. And uh, Esau, his twin brother, was born first, but he was holding on to Esau's heel And uh, hence, he gets the name Jacob, which means uh, heel catcher or trickster or deceitful one or even outright liar. And uh, and this is his name. And we're going to see that he lives up to all of that today. Uh, Next Sunday, we're going to see how God changes his name and uh, how God wants to work in our hearts and lives when we get to a place of brokenness uh, where we will allow God to work in our hearts and lives. So that's next week, but this week is the trickster, the liar, uh, the deceitful one, but there's a wonderful lesson in here uh, for us to learn today that, uh, that uh, many times gets lost. Uh, as we look at Jacob, uh, we see Jacob in Genesis 25, and, and there uh, we begin to see the difference between these two brothers. Uh, Esau, Esau was uh, a hairy guy. Uh, Esau was a rugged guy. Esau was a hunter. Uh, Esau was an outdoors man. He was kind of the grizzly Adams of his day. Uh, any of you old enough to remember Lyle Alzado or Dick Buckus in the NFL? Anyone? Oh, just a few of you. Uh, he was a Dick Buckus, a Lyle Alzado. That's, that's who he was. Now, Jacob, he was a Richard Simmons. Oh, more you know who he is, okay? He enjoyed staying in Mama's tent. He learned cruel work, needlepoint, cross-stitch. Nothing wrong with any of that. Rosie Greer, anyone here know who Rosie Greer is? A uh, huge NFL lineman, uh, long time retired. Uh, he, uh, he used to do needlepoint. So there's nothing wrong with needlepoint. But you've got to understand who Jacob was. Jacob also took uh, cooking classes. Nothing wrong with cooking classes. I love to cook. But he was kind of like the galloping gourmet of, uh, of uh, Isaac's clan there. And as such, he had uh, one day just uh, cooked up some great red lentil stew. 
And it was very savory, very good. His brother comes in from the field and hunting. He hadn't got anything. He's famished. And, and what happens, this was not a trickster. This is legit. Uh, Esau, being the oldest guy, he's able to get the birthright. And the birthright means the inheritance. He would get all the tents and livestock and wealth and all of this. And, uh, and he's famished and he wants to eat. And Jacob says, tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a bowl of this stew for your birthright. Now, the birthright goes to the oldest son, and uh, it's up to the oldest son to do whatever he wants with it. And so in a moment of uh, famine and, uh, and weakness, uh, Esau sells the birthright for a bowl of little lentil stew. And most of you remember that story, uh, those of you who had Sunday school. And so the birthright was dealt with. But as we come to Genesis chapter 27, we're going to talk about something called the blessing, which is totally distinct from the birthright. The blessing could be given to whomever the parent wanted to give it to. And it is something that that Jacob was deceitful about in order to get it, and we're going to look at that. Now, I want to break there just for a second and bring it up to speed today. Uh, We could go Saturday night. First full day of the Olympics, primetime Olympic coverage uh, a week ago Saturday night. During that, I don't know who the person was who scheduled it this way, but during that on ESPN, they had the induction into the National Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio uh, uh, for 2016. And I thought, why would you put this against this? But they did. So God has really blessed me. He blessed me with a thumb and a remote control. This is why sometimes my wife Peggy watches TV in the bedroom. Because God made me to be able to watch more than one program at a time. In fact, I can watch multiple programs at a time. Uh, My wife refers to it as flip, 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 flip. Uh, But you can keep up with all of them. And if you don't do that already, you should try it sometime. Uh, So I'm watching Olympics, I'm watching Hall of Fame, I'm watching Olympics, Hall of Fame. I really want to see the last two guys that are being inducted. The next to the last guy was Tony Dungy. Uh, He was the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, uh, and he coached Peyton Manning, won a Super Bowl while he was coach. And it was just really neat to see how he was introduced and what he had to say. When Tony Dungy was introduced... The person introducing him, another NFL player, retired, said, This man is a man of faith first and foremost, and his family comes second, and football comes third. I thought if Tony Dungy had been really smart, he would have just died right there. That would have been his eulogy. What a eulogy to have said about you, let alone be inducted into the Hall of Fame. You're a man of faith. You're a person of faith. Uh, your family comes next, next to God, and then your vocation, which in his case was football. And I enjoyed that very much. And then Brett Farr. Brett Farr holds all the passing records in the NFL. Did you know that? He even holds the record, and he's very proud of it, for most interceptions. Uh, He says, I'm a risk taker. Uh, Brett Farr would go off script many times. Played many years for the Green Bay Packers. 
<laughs> Their arch rivals are the Minnesota Vikings. He still wanted to play after they brought Aaron Rodgers on, so he goes and joins the Vikings, takes them to the Super Bowl. They didn't win it. He broke his ankle, uh, but he was still playing on a broken ankle, and they were within one score of winning the Super Bowl that year. But he retired as a Green Bay Packer. You never know what was going to happen with Brett Favre. And hence, you didn't know at the uh, induction ceremony either. He now holds the record for the longest acceptance speech, 39 minutes. He could be a preacher. And he started out that way. The way he started out, he says, first and foremost, I want to thank Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, for everything that's happened in my life. And I thought, wow, what a neat way to start it out, especially after Tony Dungy. And, uh, and that's because of the impact that uh, Mike Holgren had on his life. Uh, Mike Holgren was his uh, uh, head coach for most of that time at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Mike Holgren was also the quarterback coach over at BYU and Coach Steve Young and a little bit of Jim McMahon. Uh, he is a neat born-again Christian, and so when we pastored in Price, uh, multiple times he was in our home for dinner. It turned out uh, my high school football coach was one of his best friends, and uh, Mike was head of the Gideon Camp in Utah. First individual in Utah to get Bibles passed out on the BYU campus. Pretty awesome, huh? And that's, that's Mike Holgrown, and he was there for a Brett's induction into the Hall of Fame. One thing Brett did in the 39 minutes that he talked about is for 9 to almost 10 minutes, he broke down in tears, and he cried, and he talked about his dad. His dad had been his high school football coach. His dad, uh, his dad uh, was a kind of a hard taskmaster, he had the kind of dad that I had the first half of my life uh, that uh, rather than seeing what you did right, uh, there was always something you did wrong. And he told you about it. He let you know it. It was never quite good enough. And Brett shares this in his uh, induction into the Hall of Fame. He says, one time I was sitting outside my dad's office. He didn't know I was there. It was after a game. I hadn't done very well. And he says, I heard him, I heard him tell the coaches I heard him tell him that, that uh, uh, Brett didn't do very good today, but I know what's inside of him, and he will do better. And he says, I spent the rest of my life trying to do better, trying to do better, trying to make his dad proud, trying to live up to what he thought his dad wanted. And in doing that, uh, while he was still playing at Green Bay, his uh, dad passed away. I believe it was on a Sunday. He had a Monday night game he decided to play played the very best game of his entire life, and they still talk about it. And it was at the Oakland Raiders, and he talks about how on that night the Oakland Raiders were so kind to him. And uh, uh, for one night out of their entire uh, uh, career at the Oakland Raiders, uh, uh, they were not the dirty Raiders. And uh, I, I thought it was very bold of him to share that. But he spent 10 minutes in a 39-minute speech really talking about a father wound. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today as we see it in the life of Jacob. Because in my time in ministry, 
I have a retiral plaque that says 42 years. I don't know what they will do with the value added portion, but uh, uh, if you're into plaques, it's whatever. Uh, in the 42 years of ministry before I retired the first time, uh, I've seen a lot of father wounds. And I've seen them in men. I've seen them in women. And we need to know that they're out there. And the cure for that is something that's called the blessing. And we find it in Genesis chapter 27, verses 18 through 33. And we see what happens here is that Jacob steals the blessing. Uh, Jacob's dad, Isaac, wanted to give the blessing to Esau. But because Jacob was a deceiver, a liar, he devises a way, along with his mom, to steal the blessing. If you read the whole section, you'll see that uh, he puts on animal skins around his neck and on his arms because his brother's hairy and he's smooth skin and his dad's blind and this way he can smell them. He puts on garments of his brother so he smells like his brother. And we pick it up at Genesis 27, verses 18 through 33. And it says this, Then he came to his father, that is, Jacob came to his father, and he said, My father. And his father said, Here am I. Uh, Who are you, my son? Because he's blind. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please. Set and eat of my game that you uh, may bless me. And Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God uh, caused it to happen to me. You can't believe the lies he's already told. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac and his father, and he felt him, and he said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau's, so he blessed him. And he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. And so he said to him, bring it to me, and I will eat of my son's game, and I will bless you. And he brought it to him, and he ate, and he also brought him wine, and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close, and he kissed him. And when he smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him, and he said, see the smell of my son. It's like the smell of the field, which the, the, the Lord has blessed. Now, I'll pause right there, and I'll point out, you need to understand that Esau was one of those guys that took a bath once a year, whether he needed it or not, okay? And so he really smelt like body odor and, and like outdoors, okay? And, uh, and his dad liked that, where Esau smelt more like lavender water. Uh, I mean, Jacob did, okay? Now it goes on. Verse 28, now may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of earth and the abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you, Uh, be master of your brothers and uh, may your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be those who curse you and bless be those who bless you. Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. One thing about the blessing is once it was given, it was given. And uh, it was given to Jacob. He stole that blessing. The blessing is something as a parent that God wants us to give. 
I also, as I've told you, I've seen many a grown adult that never got the blessing and they're carrying around that father wound or that mother wound because the blessing never came. It is very, very important. We can go ahead and put up the slide that talks about what the blessing involves. We need to see that the blessing involves meaningful touch. Uh, uh, We find here that uh, Isaac... uh, uh, hugged Jacob. He smelled him. He kissed him. He touched him. Uh, he rubbed his hand. He rubbed his arm. Uh, it involves mi- meaningful touch. God gave us our six senses, and we're meant to touch. We're we're meant. Uh, we find uh, one of the things with elderly people that uh, they go through as you study geriatrics is the fact that they begin to miss out on on physical touch, uh, simple hugs and pats on the back and things like this. We, we were built for that. Uh, it feels good to cradle a baby, doesn't it, and to hold him in your arms. And it feels good to the baby. It, uh, it calms him down. Now, our babies grew up a long time ago, so in our, our home we have surrogates. We have a male and a female miniature wiener dog. Uh, Reggie and Sadie. Uh, Sadie's a half-sister to... To Reggie, and uh, and I'll tell you, Reggie loves to jump up in your lap and just hug. He'll he'll get all situated and he'll put his head in around your neck, and and even the animals want to hug and touch. So think about us as people, as God created us for that. And so the blessing involves meaningful touch, and that meaningful touch might even be a handshake or a pat on the back. Along with that, it involves a spoken message, uh, uh, and that spoken message is basically, I love you, and I'm proud of you. To hear that, I love you, and I'm proud of you. It has to do with honor, attaching high value to the one being blessed, uh, uh, looking for that thing that they do very well and holding that out for them. It also has to do with an active commitment to helping to fulfill that blessing. Many times this is simply prayer, but sometimes this is, you well know as parents, it's a financial investment as well. And it's an investment in other things, uh, taking time off to, to be there for your children and, and showing them that, the, that they're important. Uh, another thing that it involves, and I kind of have that in parentheses up there, is picturing a special future for the one that you're, you're blessing. If we go all the way back to Jeremiah, we see that, that God has a plan for each of our lives, and it's not a plan for calamity, but it's a plan to prosper us. If we jump ahead to Romans 8.29, he says there, to those that have been called and predestined, he says, you've been predestined to be conformed to the image of my son, Jesus Christ. And so God looks at us, and he doesn't see us the way we are. That's why the hymn writer could write the hymn, Just As I Am. And every major commitment in my life, for some reason, they were playing that hymn, and it has six verses, and usually they had sung all six verses six times. And on the last one, I would drive that stake and do what I needed to do before the Lord. But the Lord takes us just as we are. He sees us just how we really are, but he sees us what we can become and what he has planned for us in him. And he communicates that to us. It was our second building program over in Kailua, Hawaii, and uh, 
and it wasn't going real fast and real good, and we had building, it's a pole structure, and all the poles were up, but the roof wasn't on yet, and so forth, and I sat down with the elders and their wives, and I asked them, I said, when we pray for this, what what do you picture? And we went around the room, and to a T, everyone pictured it just the way it was. The poles in the air, uh, some of the rafters were up, but no roof, no ceiling, and and that's that's what we saw when we prayed. Uh, I think there's something to seeing what God sees and what he wants to see in us. And, and many times when we pray for our kids, <laughs> we pray for them the way they are uh, instead of the way God wants them to be. And I think it's very important that we picture that. Uh, Remember how God created the earth and the world and everything in it? What did he do? He spoke it into being. And there is great power in the word of God. Now, I'm not talking about name it and claim it or anything like that, but I'm talking about seeing what we're praying for the same way God sees it in his economy. Now, uh, why is this so important? This is in the Old Testament. This is Jacob. Well, it's so important that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the Heavenly Father does it for his Son, uh, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. If you turn over to Matthew chapter 3, we see really the beginning of Jesus' ministry, which starts with the baptism of Jesus out in the wilderness by John the Baptist. And he goes, and, and he's obedient, and he is baptized. And, and there it's kind of like a starter pistol going off at the Olympics. Uh, Jesus begins his ministry. And as he begins it, as soon as he comes up out of the water, in Matthew 3.16, it says, And being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the waters, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, this is one of the sections of Scripture where we see the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all present in the same place. The heavens open, the Spirit of God descends as a dove, and it lights on Jesus. Touch, feeling. There's the Spirit. And then the Father speaks. And the first words out of his mouth is, This is my beloved Son. (laughs) Uh, That's kind of how in fancy English you say, I love you. I love you. This is my beloved son. I love you. And he says, not only is this my beloved son, he goes on to say, in whom I am well pleased, of of whom I'm very proud of. And so he tells him he loves him, and he tells him he's proud of him. And then inferred, kind of between the lines in that, he's saying, and you know what? (laughs) You better listen to him. Because he's really got something to say. And hence, we begin to have the words of Jesus recorded. And if you have one of the Bibles with the the red in it, uh, we have what's written in red. uh, The Sermon on the Mount follows right after this. And you went through a series on that. Uh, We see that the Heavenly Father uh, gives the Son of Man, gives his Son, Jesus Christ, uh, the blessing. The blessing. Now, maybe, uh, maybe you're here today and your father and your mom is deceased, as mine are. They're gone. 
Maybe you never got the blessing. Maybe you're like Brett Farr, wandering around, never having got that blessing, still trying to live up to what you think would make your, your father proud or your mother proud. Uh, I want you to know if you never got the blessing and there's no way to still get it, that your Heavenly Father gives it to you. And you can have that in Jesus Christ because Jesus is more than enough and uh, all that we need is found in him. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, that, that word world, you just put your name in there. God so loved Doug, he gave his only son. God so loved Jeff, he gave his only son. God so loved Bill, he gave his only son. You are loved by God. And if for some reason you're here today and you don't believe that, read Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, just as we are, Christ died for us. Why? Because the Father loves us. And as we read through Scripture, we see that he is proud of us. He has a future for us. Uh, As Henry Nouwen says in his books, we are the beloved of God. We are his beloved. And he passes that on to us. And so if if your parents are gone and and you never got the blessing, uh, you can still have it because the Heavenly Father gives that. And, and he uses that as a blessing in yours and my uh, life. Now, I look at my own growing up and circumstance, and my dad uh, uh, was born and grew up during the Depression. He would sometimes skip school along with his uh, brother to go out and uh, shoot rabbits with an antique 16-gauge shotgun that I, I now possess. It was made in 1864. It has a wire Damascus steel barrel. You don't want to put a regular shotgun shell in there anymore and, and, and shoot it and wrap it around your neck. Uh, it wouldn't be much of a blessing. But uh, uh, they go shoot rabbits because they could get a nickel a rabbit during the Depression. Went off to World War II after he graduated high school, was a tail gunner in a Grumman Avenger torpedo plane uh, and an aircraft mechanic on a carrier uh, out in the Pacific. Uh, came back, uh, went to Denver University on the GI Bill, and, and there he got his bachelor's in uh, electronical uh, uh, in aeronautical engineering at DU, and then he went up to CU, got his master's in uh, electronical engineering. Came from a one-and-a-half-room schoolhouse in uh, Missouri and, uh, and ended up uh, being the primary designer of the guidance system for the Tomahawk cruise very instrumental in the development of the Atlas missile. Totally different than I. Uh, He looked a lot like Paul Newman. I got my mother's thighs. (laughs) And uh, and, uh, he's a total introvert. I'm an extrovert. I learned very early as a young teenager that when I asked my dad a question, I needed to wait three or four days because he was processing it all that time. Then we'd be driving along in the truck or the car, and he would just start asking the question. It had been so long, I'd forgot the question. I had to really listen to figure it out. Uh, but but we, we, we were very different. 
I never heard my dad say that he loved me until I was 34 years old. I was over here in Price, Utah, and I got a call. I figured my dad had been to some kind of men's retreat or something because uh, he called, and uh, he says, Doug, I just wanted you to know as your dad, I love you. I love you. 34, and I remember it like it was yesterday, and I'm only 51. I saw that a while back in the rearview mirror. <laughs> but, 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 but I remember that call. From that time on, for the most part, my dad would call weekly. Until the last five years of his life, uh, I lived at least a 1,000 miles or further from my dad. And back in those early days, long-distance phone calls uh, uh, were expensive. You didn't have unlimited minutes. You didn't have cell phones. When I lived in Hawaii, it was uh, it was a cable run under the Pacific, and and back then, your minimum wage was a buck and a quarter, and uh, <laughs> and a one minute phone call to the mainland was a minimum of seven dollars and ninety five cents a minute. So I mean, it was a big deal. But my dad would call weekly. He often told me that he loved me. Uh, he conveyed his approval over and over again. Here he's designed the guidance system for uh, the Tomahawk cruise. He knows how to do this stuff. But uh, he began to use me as his travel agent. He would uh, call up, tell me where he wanted to go, what kind of lodging he'd like. I was the travel agent. And that was very affirming that he would trust me with his travel plans. Uh, Part of that might have been uh, taking him uh, up to Alaska on a 10-day fishing trip and having everything planned out, but, uh, but he used me as his travel agent. He gave encouragement. He gave pats on the back, handshakes. Uh, in uh, the last uh, days of my dad's life, you, you always stood to pray anytime you said goodbye, and there was always a hug, and there was an I love you. Now, it took my dad till he was age 34 to let me know that uh, he loved me, but uh, my dad uh, died in 2007 of pancreatic cancer. Uh, he started complaining about it during the deer hunt in November. Uh, and like I said, the last five years of my life, I lived within 50 minutes of my dad, and, and that was a real gift from God. That was frosting on the cake. And so I would see him once a week for breakfast. I could go down and have breakfast and be back before work started. And, uh, and the same thing happened with uh, my dad's death. I uh, finally went to Mayo Clinic in April of 2007, was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. It was a young doctor that had to tell him that, and that's a death sentence. Uh, and they could do chemo, but it was only prophylactic, just to give you quality of life a little bit. Uh, wasn't going to cure you. And uh, this young doctor was uh, having a hard time telling my dad that, that he was going to die. <laughs> and my dad, in Paul Newman style, edged forward, and he says, Son, he says, have you never read in the book of James that your life is but a vapor? And he goes on to share Jesus with this young doctor who's having such a hard time telling my dad he's going to live. And my dad ends by sharing with him that to live is Christ, but to die is gain, and saying, can I pray for you? And he prayed for that young doctor. 
kind of priceless. Well, he got the news in April. My birthday's in May. Here's the card I got in May, and I'm so glad I, I kept it because it's an illustration of the blessing. It says, son, if you could fly far above your life, you would see its wonderful purpose, its perfect plan, and that you stand on the enormous hand of God. Part of God's plan for you must have been to be loved very much because you are. And then in his own hand, he signs, happy birthday, Doug. I love you very much, Dad. It's a keeper. It's a keeper. Now, it's not just my dad that did this. Many dads do this. And I even have a clip from a movie out of Hollywood that shows this. And we're going to show that uh, here right quick. Let me tell you what it is. It's the movie Freedom Writers. It has Carradine and Hilary Swank in it. She's a teacher. You talk about heroes? Teachers are heroes. They really are. She's going through some tough times. Uh, she's, her marriage is falling apart. She's looking at a possible divorce. Her class, uh, she's losing her class of students. She will talk about her children. She's talking about her students here. But uh, uh, this is a true life story. It actually happened. But watch how the father gives the blessing in this instance. Are we good? I never thought this would happen. What do I do now? Next year, I won't even have my kids. You think you should stay with them? Or is it better they move on? I don't know. It's just a job, like you said. Yeah, it is. But is the job finished? Listen to me now. What you've done with those kids. I I don't even have words for it. But one thing's for sure. You are an amazing teacher. Special. You have been blessed with a burden, my daughter. And I envy you that. And I admire you. And how many fathers ever get to say that to their daughters and really mean it? What? Did you hear? Did you see the blessing? He was saying, I love you. You're an amazing young woman do an amazing job. I'm proud of you. Keep it up. And the thing is, from Brett Farr to literally hundreds that I've encountered in my life, men and women, they're limping and struggling through life because they never got the blessing from their mom and dad. Next week in Jacob's life, we'll see what he did with the blessing, but what do we do with that today? I think there are three things. First of all, if you never got the blessing and your mom and dad are gone, I want you to know your Heavenly Father can give you the blessing and that there's healing in Jesus Christ. Remember what Isaiah 53 says? By his stripes we are healed. And that's emotional, spiritual, and physical. 
And if even physical healing doesn't come in this lifetime, it comes when we go to be with Jesus because it says this mortal body puts on immortality. And I think I'm leaving the arthritis behind. Don't you? Yeah, yeah. So the healing is there. And it's there emotionally, spiritually, and physically because just as we have a triune God, God made us body, soul, and spirit. So if you never got the blessing, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can get the blessing from the Father. And if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, oh, the neat thing is God loved you so much that that he demonstrated his love towards you that that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. (laughs) You see, we're all broken and in need of a Savior. And that has been provided in the person of Jesus Christ who wants to bless us with the blessing in our lives. Now, if you're a parent here, you have the opportunity to give your children the blessing. And I was 34. My dad was 25 years older than I was, actually 26. So that makes him 50, right? Or did I miss a year? 60? I'm doing the math in my head. Oh, the second time I preached in an era, in a year. So anyway, you just add 26 to 34, and that comes out 60. Okay, 60. If you're a mom or a dad here tonight, it's not too late to give your son and daughter the blessing. And maybe there's a wall of division that is there, but... Uh, one of the pastors is going to share on the man of faith, Gideon. <laughs> you talk about a preferred future. The angel comes to Gideon. Remember, it was nighttime, and he was hiding out in a ditch, beating out his, uh, his wheat because he was afraid of the Philistines, and uh, he was kind of cowering. And the angel comes, the messenger from God, and says, Greetings, Gideon, mighty man of valor. <laughs> A guy hiding out in the dark in the ditch is not exactly a mighty man of valor, but God saw what he could be. And the angel greets him, Gideon, mighty man of valor. And with an army of 300, the Philistines fell. I think of Joshua when he went into the promised land in Jericho. They walked around it seven days. And what happened? The walls fell down, didn't they? I want you to hear something this morning, church. God loves to bust up walls. He loves to break down walls. So if there's a wall between you and your kids, I want you to know that God wants to destroy that wall. He wants you to have a relationship where you can give your kids the blessing, just as my dad gave it to me. So if you didn't get the blessing, your folks are gone, there's opportunity for healing and to get that from Jesus Christ, there's also opportunity to give it. And maybe you're here today and your kids are small. (laughs) You cannot tell your kids that you love them too much. You can begin to invest in their future and pray for them. And uh, I think of my own kids, uh, Mom, uh, Peggy, I think she started uh, praying for their spouses when they were like uh, ages one or two. And... uh, and you can begin to invest this way and pray for them and, and walk through it with them and be invested in them and be proud of them and affirm what they do well. I want to close with this story. You've been watching the Olympics. Maybe the greatest Olympian of all time, Michael Phelps. 
His dad walked away from him when he was nine. Michael Phelps, I think it was September of 2015, it might have been 2014, he went into a huge depression after his second DUI. He felt he was worthless. He was wanting to take his life. An NFL football player by the name of Ray Lewis, who loves Jesus Christ, heard about it and walked into Michael Phelps' uh, life and, uh, and en- encouraged him to go to rehab, which he did. And he gave him a, a little book entitled uh, Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And in rehab, Michael Phelps devoured that book. Came out of rehab and uh, made his, uh, his uh, baby son's mother uh, least uh, get engaged and is planning on getting married. And he went back and he tried to repair the relationship with his dad. And when you hear him interviewed now, he talks about the next season of his life. And even being interviewed last night, he says, I talked to Ray Lewis today. I'm excited about what is to come because he he has learned that God has a far larger plan for his life than the swimming pool. But the swimming pool might be the platform for what God has for him. He has found the blessing in the person of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? I think it's pretty exciting. And I think it tells a little bit of why, how he swam the way he did at 31 in this Olympics with uh, four gold medals and a silver. The blessing. Moms, dads, it's so important. Each one of us, we know it's important, and Jesus wants to give it. So we're going to close in prayer, and I've asked the elders uh, that are present, or if I haven't got to you personally, I'm asking now, I'd like you to be able to be around uh, uh, the platform here with uh, your wives if they're willing to join you. And I want you to know that as we pronounce the benediction at the close, we're going to be here. I see Matt. uh, uh, Matt will come be with us for a little bit. Uh, We want to be ready to to pray for you. If you need healing because you haven't ever got the blessing... (laughs) There's healing in the person of Jesus Christ. We want to pray for that. If you have a situation where you know you need to give the blessing, but, but you just need that, that push, that, that oomph, we want to pray for that too. Because we want to pray that the blessing will flow. One last thought. As you mature in Jesus, many of you become spiritual dads and spiritual moms for people who are not your biological children. And I want you to know that you can give them the blessing as well. Did you realize that you can even give a waiter the blessing? You can learn their name or waitress. You can say, Lisa, you have done a fantastic job. Now back that up with a monetary tip. (laughs) You know, (laughs) back it up. But you can be a blessing to sons and daughters that are not your biological children that God puts in your lives. Paul was a spiritual dad to Timothy, right? And you can have the same opportunity. So let's pray. Lord, uh, as we close this morning, uh, we know that so many more things are said than done. It's just the way it is. But, Lord, you've told us to be doers of the word. 
Lord, this morning we see how Isaac blessed Jacob, even though it was by deceit. We see how our Heavenly Father blessed Jesus because he wanted to do that. And so, Lord, help us to be people of the blessing. I pray for those that have never got it and their parents have gone on. I I pray that today, Lord, you would bring healing. And if there's a father or mother wound, that you would heal that wound and you would uh, heal it permanently. And uh, they would be better than ever before because they know that you love them. You love us. I pray, Lord, for parents that need to give the blessing. I pray that... uh, I pray that, I just pray against the spirit of pride that would keep us from doing that. Pray that you'd humble us and we would find a way to, to tell our kids that we love them, and that we're proud of them, and that we're praying for them. We want to encourage them. Lord, show us how to do that. And then I pray, Lord, for those that you bring into our lives that need a blessing and somehow you put us in that role where, where we can do that. Help us not to hold that back. Help us to give freely just as you have blessed us. And Lord, uh, as we go out, help us to be aware of what uh, is around us and who needs a blessing and how to give it. And we'll just thank you and praise you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.